When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here for the second part of our review of the interior defensive line for the 2023 draft. And, of course, here with me again is Jason of Huddle It Up Films, Jason Smith. Jason, how are you doing? Oh, man. Back again, Ken. Loving it. All kinds of fun in the first show. If you didn't listen to that one, download it. It's a good it's a good show. Lots of discussion. Uh, great back and forth with Jason on the on the prospects here. His knowledge is, is very impressive and uh, not too much in the way of difference of opinion, but a couple down towards the bottom of the board. And uh, I think we'll probably have less different uh, differentiation here at the top. We're uh, all the way up to your number five pick, Jason. And who is that? Nice. It's Kiana Benton out of Wisconsin. And Ken, what I love the, uh, about the discussion is that we're seeing 95, 98% of the same things. And then just ordering them is really in the eye of the beholder. So I love this. But uh, yeah, Kiana Benton, Wisconsin, 6'4", 309, uh, good arm length, which I know you like, Ken. Senior, he played as a freshman. He's got a ton of quality experience. Now, hold on just a second. That's not just my thing. And we made this point in the first show. Everybody's <laughs> mentioning arm length this year. So if I started the trend of that, whatever. But anyway, the, the arm length for defensive linemen, I've never seen it mentioned more than I have this year. Yeah, you know, you, I remember you saying that. I said, I, I think I said, I know you like that. Yeah, I like it too. I like okay. it too. Good. Just want to make sure that you're not saying, oh, that's a Ken thing. But yeah. <laughs> no, but you know, but the last guy we talked about, Say- Sayaki Ika, I wish he had a little bit more of it. You know, he plays kind of like a three tech and as a nose tackle, um, quick penetrator and all that. But uh, Benton has it. He plays with it. Uh, a ton of quality experience, big, very strong playing nose tackle. Ken, number one quality for him. I would say he's got the best club move in the draft. So if anybody doesn't know what that is, he just takes his big old right arm, swats the lineman in front of him in the left shoulder and will spin that guy, uh, turn his body at least a little bit. Uh, it's just a lot of power in his hands. Um, his inconsistency, like a lot of these guys, comes from playing high and having sloppy technique afterwards. It's like he's got a really good club, but there's not much else. But this guy is a force. Uh, I love his play recognition. Uh, I think one of the things else that I don't love about him is he can get too caught up in battling his opponent instead of shedding when the play is coming at him. Um, overall, I think he's a day two guy. I would say end of round two, beginning of round three. I have him up at number 65 on my board. So we're starting to enter the guys, Ken, 
that if they were there at 86, I think that they would at least be in consideration depending who else is on the board. I think he's a nose tackle plus big three, three technique kind of in the mold of Travis Jones from last year. Yeah, I, I I echo quite a bit of that. He's my number four guy. I love him. Uh, 6'4", 315, 33 and, and seven eights. Nose tackle three. Uh, you mentioned the pad level thing. I think that really has been a problem in college, and he's he's made bot made do with a not complete toolkit and not good technique because he's so big, so strong, and pretty quick as well. Uh, he's had that good interior uh, pressure rate that's held up despite imperfect technique. And you know you can look at that and say that's a negative. It's also a positive. It's an area for improvement where you know you don't get this guy otherwise if you if you don't have a chance to coach him up and make him a better player. And uh, I, just going all through this draft, I've never felt like position coaching was more important than I have this year. I'm getting some feedback for you, my friend. I just want to check out. Check sure check. I'm, I'm good on this here. No, it seems to be all, all the all the readings seem to be correct. Might might be just uh, hearing something that I. Not sure why, okay. but uh, anyway, let's let's just keep going here. Uh, anyway, his play strength, I think, has gotten him through so far at this level. He is a coach-up guy. Chuck Smith's name kept coming up, obviously, with the edges. There's all but about one guy in the whole class, and that's, in my opinion, is B.J.R. Jalari, um, is a guy who will benefit from being coached by Chuck Smith. Uh, and these, just having good position coaches is so critical today that uh, that I think it's a uh, you know Benton is a guy who certainly will probably be a player who's not at his best in his first year in the NFL will probably be a better player in 2024 uh, and of course with all the losses the Ravens are going to suffer on the defensive line we talked about that in the first show another good reason to go back and download it um, is that uh, uh, you know Pierce Washington Matabike and potentially even Urban will not be here. Um, and a guy like Benton, who can fill some multiple roles, um, you know, whether it's nose or three, would really be another good building block for that line. Love it. Like I like the player. Get very good, you know, not scientific here, but very good feel, very good vibes from him. He's just he's just a handful. He's very big, very strong, and it shows. And I think you made a great point that even when he's he gets caught upright or he's not having a good rep, he's just he's just a handful. He's just mm-hmm. a like. He, country strong guy like he's strong you know six four three oh nine is a strong person overall but he plays uh even stronger than that i would argue yeah i, I one of the things that at the college level certain you see is is he has that urgency that we talked about on some of the prospects before us sorry we're still getting some feedback here we're gonna need to try and figure this out if we can um but anyway we, we, the the thing we notice is that he he really lives on that first contact and at this level he's doing a pretty good job of uh of getting it done and hopefully that'll hold up at least to some degree at at the next uh we saw him have a drive ending sack against maryland uh he shows a spin move occasionally and he got he got a he got a sack on a spin move against maryland in this in this thing so you don't see that too often from an interior guy a big belly roll kind of uh spin uh just a guy I'm 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 pretty excited about, frankly. And I had him higher, I thought, than most people. But it's good to see you have him at number five. Uh, I've got him at number four. That's great. Feel like we're missing somebody in here, so I can't wait to see who you have. That's interesting. So you you have four left, right? So your number four guy is my number four guy is Kalajikansi okay. out of uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, I mentioned Adebore was my number three guy. So I I That's have it. kids. Kansi slided 
slid right behind him. Uh, Kalaja Kansi, a red shirt junior. He's got an edge body type uh, as far as just the way he's built. He's 6'1", 281, um, very short-armed, very quick. Uh, he's a mismatch for sloppier uh, interior offensive linemen. Twitchy, easy lateral movement, Ken. Like, uh, being twitchy is one thing, but if you want to see him stay with a quarterback who changes directions when he's penetrating or a running back who makes a move, like, he can mirror their movement very easily. Uh, he does play undersized, especially by Ravens standards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, it would be a mismatch on, on the Ravens team compared to the defensive linemen uh, you're used to watching. That said, he's a one-gapper, um, but productive. He had seven and a half sacks in 11 games last year. Hard to do as an interior player. Swim move, spin move, both evident. Uh, I thought the West Virginia game was a very good uh, litmus, or, or you get to see the good and the bad there. Uh, he will lose his eye some. Um, high effort guy. High effort guy. I love Kalaja Kansi's effort. So that's that's basically where I stand with him. I, I wish he was bigger and stronger. He's not. I don't know if he's the greatest fit for the Ravens, but he's going to be a great fit for some team. Yeah, I, I have him all the way up at number three. And uh, and he's a guy who, you know, a lot of people might have projected me to not project him <laughs> as a player because his, his arms are under 31 inches at 30 and 5 eighths. That's exceptionally short. If he were playing nose tackle, it might not matter. He's not a natural nose in any way, shape, or form. You want to get this guy one-on-one, so it really means three or five. He should play probably three because he'll face a little short-arm player when the, in the guard he faces. And, and also, he's lightning quick off the line of scrimmage total dictator of the gap of the play he's he's going to penetrate he's going to cause problems in the backfield he's going to bifurcate that backfield in terms of choices that the running back makes when he's in there on a rundown but i think in terms of where he'll be in his first year i think we'll see him mostly as a as a situational pass rusher wherever he ends up uh, uh there 33 college games he had 16 sacks 34 tackles for loss three passes defense the number that's a little bit troublesome is he only got one forced fumble. And this was something that showed up for Will Anderson as well, by the way, is Anderson has 34 college sacks, only one forced fumble. Unbelievable. Mm. So I uh, can't see with, uh, with 16 sacks, only one forced fumble is, is oddly low. And, uh, and there are certainly some other players who are just more adept and more naturally thinking about clubbing the ball free and, and, uh, and going for the ball on any tackle pretty much. Uh, I think his best games for Kansi came against pretty good competition, mostly. So his five best games were Syracuse, uh, and they're okay. Uh, Georgia Tech, Tennessee, Virginia, all pretty good. ACC and, a, and a one SEC team in there. And then Rhode Island, he had a, he had a good game. Obviously, that's not uh, top-notch competition. Um, I think you know it's he he is a guy who could potentially play on the outside shoulder of the tackle on some plays. I wouldn't want that normally just because of the potential length disadvantage and some of the things a tackle can do to him in the run play. I've seen that projected by other people. Um, but you could you could you could certainly have him play a five with an outside linebacker on the outside. Not saying he couldn't do that, but I but I would say you wouldn't have the edge of the line of scrimmage defended by him on the naked tackle side as a five, kind of like where you might normally put your rush linebacker. So I don't think he really gives you that, but he but I I, I do like him uh uh otherwise uh, I don't think he really looked what I would call tired because his game is all about quickness uh, in the games I watched at, at Pitt, but he is a guy who uh, probably cutting down his snaps as a rookie, 
uh, really played an Ironman level at uh, at Pitt is going to help him to to be a little bit fresher and twitchier and and uh, even more of a penetrator than he'd been. Uh, really a question of where this guy goes. Uh, some people think he he may go by the middle of round two. If that happens, the Ravens aren't going to get him because they have too many needs competing for that total draft capital that would be available to them. If they trade down, it might be for, for a couple of picks that would be in the second round. I don't think they'd use the first one on Cansey, which means I don't think they'd probably get him. But who knows? Maybe he's still around in round three. He's certainly got some physical shortcomings that that make him more attractive, I believe, to some other to, to uh, make him unattractive to some teams. I think he goes in round two because I think that it's just hard to find interior linemen as quick as he is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, four, six, seven, 40, by the way, to have that written down, but that, that'll just give you an idea. You know, he tests more like uh, an outside linebacker and edge type. And I could see some team giving them some snaps on the edge and some rush situations or maybe even in early downs where they have that crash and have an outside linebacker fill the edges instead of having Kansi set the edge himself. Um, but there's a lot to like. I, I just, for the Ravens scheme, I don't see it. I don't see him as being a fit. I think another team will pick him and be very happy with him um, in that second round because, again, it's pass rush upside, which is tough to get with defensive tackles. So I, I think he'll go in the second round pretty safely. I have him at number 40 on my board. The Ravens took him in the first round. I would be a little bit miffed. Uh, there's going to be just so many other players that I think would fit so much better than him. A complete misalignment of value. They'd either trade down or take somebody else. There's got to be somebody, you know, that would that would fit in a corner or wide receiver in particular in either of those positions. It would be a better bargain, I would think. Right, right with you. All right, so he was, let's see, Kalasha Kids, he was my number three guy. So we're on, are we on your number? Did, did you, you give your four yet? Did my four guy, four? Keanu Benton. Okay, yeah. So we, so we already mentioned him on the previous show, actually. So actually, maybe at the first of this show, lost track of things here. And so your number three guy was Adebori. My Yes, yes, sir. All right. So my number three guy was Kansi. So what are your number two guy? And my guess is if we don't have the same number two and number one, I would be shocked. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I felt like we had missed somebody, but it was, it was Adebore, Adebore. Um, Yes. My number two guy, Maryland's own Brian Brissy from Clemson. Um, six, five and a half, 298. Uh, a lot to love about this guy, Ken. Um, red shirt, sophomore. So age is on his side. Um, he was a top recruit. I believe he was the number one recruit overall in the country out of Damascus. He played as a freshman, had some productions. He played four games. That was in 2020. So, I mean, he graduated to high school in 2020. Uh, tore his ACL four games into the season in 2021. And, uh, you know, it was a highly recruited guy. He has juice. He's a bully on the field. He's got knockback power. Great eyes, great shedding, just technically sound. Watch him on the back ends of stunts. Uh, it's just really exciting, the burst that he has and the path that he takes to the quarterback. High IQ player, powerful reps. And I even saw, Ken, what sold me on him, dominant reps on the edge too. I, I think the last snap I saw of him, he was going against the left tackle. I think it was the Wake Forest game. And he hit him with the spin move and hit the quarterback. Uh, and I'm like, wow, you know, this guy is just screams football player, pure football player, a bully. Um, you know, overcame some, not only injuries, but the death of his sister to cancer. Um, I think his best football 
is ahead of him. I think he's going to be one of those guys that's a better pro than he was a college player. Yeah, I, I hope so. Because uh, as a, in, in college, the traits are there. You 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 look at this guy and you say, "Well, this guy is a is a freaking brute on the field. He just looks like he's incredibly difficult to block." Um, but on the other hand, uh, the results are not maybe what you would hope. And injuries have been a big part, so that's going to be a red flag for some teams. Uh, ACL in twenty twenty one, shoulder manifestation i don't know if he actually missed games for it but then he had an illness the death of his sister he lost games to obviously the death of his sister is 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 you know tragic first of all and and is not a repeating event so it's not something that in in uh, is going to get him as a pro but uh you know there's a, there is a lot of the like and there are some other things that are not to like and i i did not think he was particularly fast out of his stance so he's not a he's not a guy who's who's immediately hitting the guy across the line of scrimmage for him before he has a chance to blink. Uh, he is a huge problem for any individual one-on-one matchup. Uh, gets out padded on doubles fairly consistently. So if you give him any kind of one-two, any kind of easy stand-up from that first guy, it doesn't even have to stand up. It just has to be locked up. And then that second guy stands him up and he pushes him out of the way fairly easily. And I, that's that's true of most of the guys in this class so it's not it's true of most linemen period so a, a guy who weighs 300 pounds and is 63 and a little bit short armed uh you should expect it probably happen a little bit more and and it probably did uh there are other reps where it looks completely unblockable and it's it's a mixture of quickness and power which is a very very difficult double to find it's not all just running through first contact it's a lot of you can't even touch me kind of reps so he's got some of that and and i really like that that kind of mix he had so many negatives originally i'm thinking oh he's gonna be he's gonna be far down on my board relative to others but frankly everybody except for the top guy has some warts in this class everybody has something they can't do uh and that's been true now for a couple of years at at uh at, on the defensive line and and Brissy is really no different is that he probably has the least uncorrectable errors of of Anybody who's on the board other than our, our co-number one guy clearly is going to be. Uh, almost always a three-tech for Clemson. Or Sorry, that's not true, but but he, but he primarily is a three-tech for Clemson. Uh, but he did get snaps all along the line. Lots of cleanup activity in what he does. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a, it's a, you know People point to that and say it's high motor, but I'd also look at his stats with kind of a jaundiced eye in that regard in terms of, of what he did. I really think he should have done more in terms of impacting the score sheet I guess part of it is that he was the focus of offenses. And, and another part of it is that, uh, you know, I've heard it said that Clemson's defense was not doing him any favors. And I, I've got to think about why that actually would be. But I, I think maybe it's more about what the opponents were doing to try and make sure that that he wasn't the guy who beat them defensively and was the was the backfield wrecker. So, yes, I, I, I thought he got the star treatment a number of times as far as they're, they're going to, you know, they're going to line up to make sure they're blocking him, run away from him, that kind of thing. And again, Ken, you mentioned the warts uh, and the, you know, the, the games he missed because the ACL and the other reasons, uh, you know, red shirt sophomore, somebody that graduated high school in 2020. Yeah. Um, he, he's got a lot of upside. I firmly believe that he will be a better pro than his production uh, stands out. And he mentioned the, uh, the cleanup stuff. To me, you know, when I saw it, I took it as a credit to his eyes and awareness. Just what he was doing in front of his, his assignment to him was easy. 
It wasn't, he wasn't overly like what we mentioned with, uh, with Benton, how he would get caught up in the mix, too busy battling this guy and not really aware of what was going around. Brissy was completely different to me. He had eyes through his guy to wherever the ball was coming and he was going to go there and he's just too big and powerful. So clean up second man in a lot of times. Um, I like him. I think, I think I liked him more and more, the more I watched him and the more his, uh, it, you know, a perspective I got on what teams were trying to do to him down to down. Um, really liked him as a player, Ken, all the way up at number 30 on my board. He is of this class. He's the secretariat. And I'll explain what I mean by that secretariat. When he won the triple crown, I think it's the year before as a two-year-old, he was sold and he was sold for an, a, a, a price that he pretty much had to win the triple crown for, for it to work out for the, for, for the purchasers. And obviously secretary more than worked out in terms of all the stud fees. He, he got, you know, over the course of his uh, life, but uh, Brissy, so much of him has not been seen yet. He's young, you know, he's got that upside. He honestly is not there from a strength perspective right now. I mean, he's, he's big. He's got all the size you would want, but 22 bench reps with 32 and a half inch arms is not very good for, for a, a guy like that. I mean, it's just not what I would hope for from, you know, the, the, the number two ranked defensive lineman. So he's going to be an NFL weight room guy and there'll be some things with leverage. He has to clean up in that first year in the NFL that'll hopefully make him a better player. But I think he'd be another player who great 2024 player, but all the, all the talk we're giving about him, he'll be long gone by 22. Is that so? Think so, huh? Okay. I, I think there's a pretty good chance. I, I don't, I don't see him being around at 22, but you, uh, you let me know on that. What do you yeah, have I on have, your big board? I have him at number 30, of course, not counting quarterbacks. Uh, so I just, there are other players and maybe I'll have to reset this now that the Ravens have signed Odell Beckham. Maybe there's a receiver or two I have pushed ahead of them, which, you know, now won't be as necessary when need meets the, the player. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if he's there at 22, chances are he still won't be the highest rated player on my board. But hmm. I, I think that, I think he's going to be a really good player. Ken, uh, the injuries do concern me. You tear an ACL once, how many times have we seen it, Ken, the player tear the other ACL or yeah. the same knee? Um, so that that does uh, that does concern me. But being the number one recruit out of high school uh, means something. It means you have some blue blue chip talent. And I like uh, just too many things about him. Like I said, in the back ends of those stunts, Ken, he's moving like an edge player, like an outside linebacker. His rip move is just too much to handle. Um, when I see him move around the edge, it reminds me of like, what we're going to be missing with Calais Campbell, totally different player than Campbell. Mm -hmm. uh, but the ability to move around the line that you got with Campbell, I could see with Brzee and just see him like overpowering some poor center on a, on a, you know, a third and 12, or uh, maybe their right tackle is slow and you slide him out there for a rep or you run a stunt with Matt Abike and good luck blocking both of those guys. So uh, I definitely like Brian Brzee. Lots of lots of interior stunt versatility or DE versatility, um, uh, edge tackle uh, 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 stunt versatility because he can be over or under. Uh, he's got the definitely got the quickness to be an over guy. Matt BK does too. The Ravens have a lot of guys who have the quickness. With OA being a big two gap stunner, you know, just not just a regular twist, but a, you know, a two gap play uh that have the speed to to play this not to not to mention all the cross and and other blitzes they can bring from level two uh to to try and get after you so he'd be a very fun chess piece i just let me let me 
the hypothetical one, I know everybody's talking about Joey Porter. The guy who I absolutely love, absolutely love among the cornerbacks is Emmanuel Forbes. Oh, uh, love and, you, Ken. And, Sorry for interjecting. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I just, he is the next Marcus Peters. He is, it's not just the six pick sixes he's had in school. It's the conversion rate on what he does. He's, he's a top flight gambler, but he's only had 20 PDs in college. And he's had 14 of those he's intercepted. 70% conversion rate on the balls he gets his hands on. 70% of them he's intercepted. And six of those have gone to the house, which is, the, of course, the, the record in college. So just if, if it was a choice, and I, I don't think there's really a great chance that Forbes lasts all the way to 22, but if he's on the board, I, he's going to be the guy I'm probably banging the table for come our broadcast. I'll tell you that. And it, it, it could be different. Richardson or somebody else is on the board. I, you know, I've got to think about it, but I, I just absolutely would love what Forbes would bring. This Ken, team. this is going to be an unpredictable for first round. So I'm, I'm just like keeping all these like absolutes away out of my mind. <laughs> I, I have a feeling it's going to be like, I don't know if you remember last year, Ken, but Hamilton. It, it was Cole strange was the wild card. Mm-hmm. And other than that, I remember being so happy with my board because I think out of the 32 picks, the lowest guy I had gone was like 36 or something. Like I nailed it. Absolutely no, you, nailed it. Good job. But 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 even even though you got the, the, the top guys right, the first round was still unpredictable because Hamilton lasted all the way to 14. And then right. that presented this great opportunity for the Ravens. And, and this is the kind of thing that that you guys really appreciate. Then we had the trade in the first round. It was, that yep. was so much fun to be talking to you guys on that show to, to, as that was happening. And I remember Sarah having the news ahead of us and she's like, well, I don't want to say this. <laughs> yeah. He can. The, the reason I brought up how well I did on my big board last year is because this year I don't expect it. I expect it's going to be some guy I have in the fifties going at like number 20 overall, because a lot of these guys are very similar and it's going to come down to need and it's going to come down to style. You know, do you want a Kalijah Kansi or do you want a Brzee or do you want a Kalijah Kansi or a Benton, two different style players mm-hmm. that we talked about today? Uh, do you want a, a a tall receiver or do you want a, a route running receiver? Do you want speed? What style fits your team? So, like, I'm, I'm trying to stay away from, like, I don't expect Brzee to be there at this point or, you know, because like you said, even last year with a pretty chalk draft, all those receivers got taken. We're sitting there with Kyle Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So it's beautiful. Um, and also Emmanuel Forbes, I, I just can't let it pass. Anyone who says is worried about his weight needs to watch He's a hitter. Bleep, the bleeping He's a- <laughs> games because this guy is a, is, is a dog, like the, the dog mentality. If he cannot take out your legs, he is going to shed with those long arms and he is going to pounce on you and he is going to celebrate in your face after he does it. It matters to him. The six pick sixes, um, very high on Emmanuel Forbes, Ken. Like I love Porter. Porter's higher on my list, but I love Emmanuel Forbes. Right. So sorry about that, guys. But it's okay. We won't do yeah. the whole. We won't do the whole cornerback list again. But go back and listen to the shows with Michael Crawford, who's outstanding in terms of of going through what he liked uh, about the corners. Uh, we actually had a different guy at number one. It was, it was uh, uh, you know worth listening to maybe in terms of uh, some absolutely incredible statistics put up by the number one player. Who is not Forbes, and and uh, the number the number one guy who's the, uh, who's everybody else's number one guy anyway, uh, who uh, you know interesting but but did not show. Up. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Very well in one particular statistic that's important to me anyway. It's going to be so much fun, Ken, come the 27th. I think this one is a wild one, Ken. Like I said, I could see my looking at my board and being like, man, what happened? Yeah, you know, I still I'm wish the so Ravens had this. more picks. It'll, it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. Ken. Yeah. I think so. So so Jalen Carter, I guess it's Number about that one. time, right? You you go ahead and go first. Ken, you know, my analysis is short on this. I, I barely watched him this year because last year when I was studying, uh, let me remember, Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis, Trayvon Walker, uh, Quay Walker, uh, the other linebacker they had, uh, basically their whole defense, I kept saying, who in the world is 88? And I remember our buddy Jake Vogel, our resident Bulldog expert, and I texted him on the phone, Jake, who in the heck is 88? And I'm cleaning that up, Ken, because I was just blown away by this guy. Getting to the ball, like Jordan Davis would beat his man or Trayvon Walker would beat his man. And I'm like, okay, he's going to make – wait a minute. Where would that guy come from? That's Jalen <laughs> Carter. Number 88, um, strengths all, weaknesses none. Uh, it's just a simple way. We, we can nitpick <laughs> if we want, but that's what it basically comes down to for me. Um, the number one player on my board with the biggest question mark on my board, the biggest red flag on my board. So I'm really curious to hear what you have to say about Mr. Carter. Uh, obviously very dominant college player. And uh, you know, the point's been made by a number of people that, that even with Wyatt and uh, Davis going in the first round last year, I guess Wyatt went pretty late, right? He went, he went 29, I think yeah. to the backers. Yeah. Okay. So, but, but still both in the first round that uh, Carter is really even a better prospect than either one of them. Um, and one of the things about about the Georgia that I really love, but it really kind of makes you question prospects occasionally, is just how they eyedropperize those snaps out. Anytime you give out less snaps to hungry football players who are, you know, they're great because they're at Georgia for starters, but then they get fewer snaps and they're just unstoppable because they're 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 you know they've got all kinds of substitution. It's like it's it should be unfair to be able to substitute Will Chamberlain for Bill Russell, you know. At, at, uh, you know, it, it just shouldn't be able to happen, but it does anyway. Really dating myself with that comparison, of course. Uh, but anyway, uh, dominant interior pass rusher. Uh, I think maybe the way I can talk about him is that there's another player in Keanu Benton who's a very similar size, length, and quote-unquote everything, except he's completely different style of player. And, and Carter is a very, very low player, and Benton gets himself into trouble with being uh, high at times. So that's the major difference between the two. And, and you see just what it turns out to be on tape in terms of all the additional things. I mean, he's both very strong players. Carter's better at flipping a unwanted offensive lineman away, but a lot of that is pad level. And a lot of his, you know, his, the, the leverage he has to, to make things happen. Very quick player in terms of run pursuit. So that was a positive, um, you know, it's another combination it's, it's like Brzee squared in terms of he's a power player when he needs to be a power player, but he's also very elusive at the line of scrimmage. And part of that is a lot of players don't really want to have anything to do with him as a blocker. So they're getting very reactive in their stance as an offensive lineman. And when you see that, then you have an excellent chance to just avoid the block entirely. 
It's just, you know, that's a, that's right. a great opportunity to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just a perfect blend of, of power, speed, technical ability. Like you said, it's pad. You level. can't touch it's, me. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I wish I had more analysis for people, but you know, the easiest way I can say it is he's the, he's the number one player on your board. He should be. If you just go by the tape, uh, it's, it's, it's impossible. It's really hard to find defensive tackles who can provide that kind of chaos on the inside compared to an edge rusher that you can find in most drafts who, who is dominant uh, Jalen Carter versus Will Anderson in this draft. Like to me, there's no contest. I can find a Will Anderson. I could pay for a Will Anderson. It's just hard to find a Jalen Carter. Um, so yeah, strengths, all weaknesses, none. I mean, basically that's a, that's a good way to put it. He just has the major red flag. And I'm wondering if uh, he could take a Jeffrey Simmons type plummet in this draft uh, because of it. Interesting. So, it, it, I mean, I think pretty much everybody's got him in the top five. Where was the lowest you could see him dropping? I mean, I could see him dropping out of the, you know, dropping down to the Ravens range is where my head's at, Raven centric. I, I forget where Simmons went, but I want to say it was like 25 or so. Um, you know, the off, off-field issues are very serious. It's uh, racing and resulted in death. And then, Ken, to add to it, uh, I'm sure you saw his pro day where it it, it went as bad as a pro day, pro day could go with him being winded, getting winded in the middle of drills, seemingly quitting on some drills. Uh, everybody there was talking about different things. and You, you don't trust any one thing because it's a person's opinion, but you just saw it everywhere. Like it must have been the talk of the of the day is, is what's happening with him. Is he out of shape? We've never seen, you know, what was he doing last night? What was going on here? Uh, and what compounds it for me, Ken, is you got this major. Could it actually happen the night before his pro day? Um, well, he he had to check out of the combine to go to the courthouse uh-huh. and come back. So his pro day was after that, if that's what you're thinking about. Yeah, that's I. You were like, where was he the night before? And I'm trying to. I'm trying to. No, yeah. I, I'm just saying, if you have the this major red flag, okay, and who knows what else is going on on campus that you and I aren't privy to. Right. And here's your pro. It, you had to come out of the combine to go to court and come back. Okay, now is your pro day, Jalen. Show them what you got. And you bomb, you, you can't finish drills. Now all of a sudden, Ken, that's why I say, could he slip all the way down to 22? Maybe. And what did the Ravens do? I don't know. What I'm, what I'm going to do, Ken, is I'm going to put him number one on my board with a giant red question mark and just let it ride. Because, I mean, re- really, what are we supposed to say? There's no information that you and I or anybody else in our circle could get. To, to let us know. So I'm just going to rate him. while I see him as a football player, which is number one. I mean, I, I think that's the way to go. The Ravens do a great job with background checks. So, and they have a system for off field issues where they'll put a, this used to be the way of it. They're probably electronic now and they don't have to do this anymore, but it used to be a black dot. They would put on a player who had an, a major off field concern or a major injury concern. And I remember getting a chance to look at the 2010 board and seeing a lot of this. And, and they have a, a dot system that works for other colors as well. The red star is well known. That's a you know a, a scout favorite. Uh, and then and then you have a blue, which is some combination of things. And you have a half pink or a pink, but depending on whether you're a, a three or a four year starter. 
But the black dot was up there, and it was up there for a few players. I'm not going to say who. The only one I will mention, because it was an injury concern only, was Arthur Jones. And the Ravens still drafted him, of course, in the fifth round. But he was thought by a lot of people to be maybe a second-round talent uh, in terms of, uh, of of what had happened before the injury. Uh, it'd be interesting on Jalen Carter, because I don't really see the Ravens are not a team that has a big history of taking people who have significant off-field concerns and and the black dot system really speaks to it. I, I'm I'm trying to remember who was the last guy they drafted who had a big flag off field. I mean, they 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 passed on Tunsil specifically right. for a pot mask video. So what do you you know? And, and obviously, a lot of other teams did too. But uh, I'm trying to think of of who else they uh, uh, you know, they really. I took. mean. They they passed on Randy Moss in '98. That's a long time ago. Things have changed with marijuana, but you know that's the one that I would think of. And then you know last year on your draft show, all of us were on the the George Pickens bandwagon, and his stuff wasn't even off the field. Off the field, he was clean. It was spraying mm-hmm. water bottles in people's faces and starting fights and that kind of thing on the field. So I, I don't know. I, I wonder how many teams will have them. You know, have Jalen Carter off their board. But I think as Ravens fans, we'd be best to like prepare for it and just realize that it's out of our hands. Like if he falls to 22, we can get excited at the talent. But I think that there's a 50-50 chance that we pass on him as there would be that right. we would take him. So yeah, the, the, the problem is if he does drop to 22, there's not trade value on the pick because of that. Like it wasn't everybody ahead of him, you know, just filled their need because, you know, they, <laughs> they, they didn't think Jalen Carter was quite it. Jalen Carter was higher on their board in terms of, of, of their playability than everybody else that got picked, except for maybe a couple of guys who absolutely needed a quarterback. Everybody else had him higher. They just decided they couldn't take him because of this off field concern. So there won't be any additional trade value the Ravens can get. I did think when the Ravens had Derwin James and Tremaine Edmonds on the board, both at number 16 in 2018, they had actually, you know, potentially some extra trade value that might've gotten mitigated a little bit by the fact that both were on the board right. at the same time. So, so it, uh, you know, if, if Carter's on the board at 22, unfortunately the Ravens, the value of their draft pick doesn't really go up unless they actually pull the trigger themselves. Maybe, maybe there's two teams fighting for him. Let's just say, uh, uh, I don't, I haven't looked at who has a second round pick, but say the, the Panthers, Texans, Colts, some combination of those two teams who picked the quarterback, picked quarterback in the first early. round. Yeah. Maybe they got an early second and they want to trade up for him. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Can uh, it's a very interesting case. Something that's going to be the story of draft could be the story of draft day if he starts dropping. Right. All right. Uh, let's talk honorable mentions because I know we each had a few here. Um, I think what we want on these cases, and given how how we're doing in terms of time here. Just kind of a one-liner on these players sure. in terms of what you thought, maybe maybe two sentences. But uh, let's just alternate some honorable mentions, and uh, and we probably have some overlap here anyway. No problem, no problem. You said alternate the honorable mentions. Yeah, go okay. ahead. Give me first. Sure, sure. I had five guys that didn't make the board. Uh, number fifteen for me uh, was Jacqueline Roy, LSU. True junior, needs experience, only one year starter, has a lot to work on, but he should be drafted. Pass rush upside, but a very tight athlete who can be moved on defense. Six three three oh five. He he's a um, he's a no for me. Uh, he had some physical issues. Did have thirty bench reps, which was good. The Florida cut up of him is terrible. Uh, he did end up getting a couple pressures in the game, both of which led to interceptions, including the game ceiling interception, which is strange. 
Otherwise, he was handled the entire game. I just looked absolutely terrible in, in that particular game. Uh, but I had him off my list. I, I, I To me, I, he's a guy who I said, if he slips to day three, he could be a value for the Ravens. I don't think that's happening. But there are a lot of guys between 10 and 20 who are in kind of a very similar group. And it's what you want stylistically that is going to be a bigger deciding factor with a lot of those. So really need than minor differences in BPA you could find in that group. There you go. Yeah, I think he was near the end of my board, but I still put him on for the upside. He, he needs a lot of work. All right, fair enough. My my guy, next one up, first one I'll name is Moro Ojamo of Texas. Uh, you know, 29 bench reps was terrific with 34 and a half inch arms. Uh, he's, a, a, again, another one of these undersized three technique guys. Uh, very difficult for a guard to handle. Uh, his weight room strength is outstanding, but I don't really think that translated too well on the field. Versatile three, five defender. I, I liked him, but you know, it, it, not the perfect prospect by any, by any means. Yeah. I had him at number 13 on my list. He's number 126 at my board. Another day three, fourth, fifth, all these guys are going to be fifth, sixth round types for me. Um, I thought his initial hand usage was poor, but he's a handful and a movable piece. I thought his field drills at the combine were very good. You got to see some raw physical talent, um, less quick, less powerful on tape than he was at that combine. Uh, but he's got the body type that you want, 6'3", 292, 34 and a half inch arms. So something to work with there. Uh, a guy I think will be drafted as well. Okay. Who's your next guy? Yeah, I have Mike Morris at Michigan. Uh, I have him, him actually 14 in between Ajamo, uh, Ajamo and uh, Jacqueline Broy. Uh, defensive end pro profile who leaves you mm -hmm. wanting more way too much shows a nice spin move, plenty strong enough. Again, my uh, ultimate analysis of Mike Morris out of Michigan, almost like Ray Rice out of Rutgers. Yep. Uh, Mike Morris out of Michigan is run defense should be fine, but his urgency is lacking. I don't see his pass rush reaching its potential. Four, three edge or a five tech in the, in the uh, NFL. That's that's where I see him, you know, four three. I, I think a four three end is is where he's going to have to stick because I don't think he's bulky enough to play anywhere uh, inside. I, I actually included him with the edge guys, so okay. uh, I had I had him off the list. But also it was alarm bells were going off when I saw Michigan and and a guy who, you know, tape is not that great. You know, plays obviously big, um, but uh, but I didn't like him that 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 much. Uh, my next guy, Kobe Turner of Wake Forest. Uh, one of the guys that'll be really happy that number zero is now a legal number because that's what he wore in college at Wake. Uh, short arm guy, uh, penetrator, uh, extreme. Uh, Seven oh eight three cone is good. Thirty one bench is good, uh, even with thirty two inch arms. That's uh, that's obviously a good number. Uh, he really does a good job of making up for his lack of size and length by getting good leverage. So he's he's going off low at opponents, and he's a sense of urgency player that gets in the backfield. I like that about him. Uh, the other thing about him, and he's one of the guys in this class who really has a rare ability on this, high motor, when he gets you from between 4 and 8 o'clock on the clock, so if the 6 o'clock is behind you, you know, watch your 6, but if he gets you between 4 and 8 o'clock, it's a forced fumble waiting to happen. And he had a lot of plays where he just comes back into the play, and all of a sudden it's a forced fumble. Could be at the line of scrimmage in pursuit. Could be eight yards downfield, but uh, but he got some uh, some of those. I think actually Wake didn't do too good job recovering those, but still great to have the ball out. Excellent. That's somebody I'm going to go back and watch now that he made uh, your honorable mentions here because uh, 
he didn't make my radar after the first watch. So I'm going to have to go back and uh, check him out. I had Byron Young, Colby Wooden. I think we mentioned those two, though, Ken. Uh, Colby Wooden. No, did I mention him? Okay, Colby Wooden is my 11th-ranked player. I actually like him. He's kind of in the mold of Mike Morris. Uh, you might consider him an edge, uh, 6'4", 273, so a big edge, sub-rusher on uh, – uh, you can move him inside on passing downs. Long-arm guy, 33 and three-quarters, ran a 4'7", so he did show his athleticism off. He, he had production. He had six sacks this season. Uh, like I said, a 4'3", defensive edge in the SEC out of Auburn. Uh, I would say a good player, uh, but just didn't quite make my list. I had him at number 105. Somebody I would be excited to take the Brent Urban role if we had a, if we were to pick him in, say, round five or so. Hmm. I did not have him on my list of edges. This is what I'm just looking back to check on. So I may need to look go back and take a look at him too. I always like to find that new player that uh, that you clue me into. I appreciate that, Jason. Uh, I'll go one more. Keandre Coburn of Texas, a guy you really mm-hmm. notice with the Jamo uh, being on the same line and playing it. And I actually find myself confusing the two occasionally in terms of their number and kind of the way they look. They're not totally similar sized, but uh, uh, but Coburn was a six two three thirty two nose tackle, kind of short arms. Uh, kind of a poor bench rep, too, at 24. So measurables are not good. But I watched the Kansas State game, and particularly for both of them, and he was completely dominant. A sack and two forced fumbles in that one. But the light just kind of went on after 45 minutes of that game. He's 45 minutes he's being he's being handled. And then the last 15 minutes, he, he went off for a sack and two forced fumbles. So that was kind of neat. You know what? I, I like Colburn's uh, – he had light feet. You know, I thought that he was for a man his size. I mean, he's 6'2", 332, too. So, mm-hmm. like, he's wide. He's got some bad weight on him. Um, but he's a nose tackle, biggest guy on the field, and his feet are pretty light. So, um, yeah, I didn't put him on the board just because of a non-nose tackle need, but I like him. He'll probably find a home in the NFL. Can you be a, see him being a consolation prize and maybe around six for the Ravens if he's still sure, around? Sure, sure. And yeah. I wouldn't have a problem with that at all. I just uh, pretty picky with – you know, I don't want to list everybody on the board. I think I have uh, 160 sure. some, 165 with with the injured players. So yeah. Any others you have you want to you want to point out here? No, that was it. That was it. I'm going to go back back and watch Kobe Turner from Wake though. So that gave me something to do. So I appreciate that. I, I, Jalen Redmond of Oklahoma was the only other guy I had. Um, you can take a look at him too if you want. But uh, yeah, I, I, he he was he. I had ruled him out pretty early. So we got about seven lines of notes here, which is not much. Uh, but definitely a, co- a coaching project and a 2024 guy who would be a day three pick. I said for him, um, he can shoot. His overall strength looks legit, especially for his size. Uh, overall, he's a better athlete than he is a player. So his, his senior bowl and his combine was way better than the tape that mm-hmm. I saw. Yeah, I, I agree. Didn't didn't all that explosiveness did not translate to get off which right. was, was a problem, but maybe it can be coached. Maybe it can't be Dwan Edwards. We saw him make some small progress of that as a player when he was in Baltimore, a guy who had an incredibly worst get off in Ravens history, probably when he first got to the team. And then he, he really improved uh, as he, as he uh, played one of the very few players ever to not produce on his first contract, a second round draft pick too. And then all of a sudden be a pretty good player on his second contract. You almost never get that out of a player. Yeah. Yeah. It's a blast from the past one Edwards. Definitely. 
All right. I, I always fun with you. We'll remind people we're, we're, we're getting together for draft night. Please join us on April 27th. There'll be a simulcast on Huddle Up Films YouTube channel and uh, Film Study uh, YouTube channel. And, and try and get we'll try and get people to subscribe to both, of course. Uh, tell folks where they can otherwise find your work, what you maybe have in terms of projects out there right now. There you go. Yeah. Huddle it up films, uh, YouTube, Twitter. Uh, unfortunately my channel has problems with posting college tape. Uh, not all YouTube channels. They're very selective in that, but I have too much Raven stuff on there archived, you know, um, from the last three years, I'm not willing to lose again. Like I got pure strikes, not just warnings or copyright claims, like strikes, like do this again. We're taking away your channel. So, uh, I plan on having some discussions coming up, uh, but I can't show you. I can't do film breakdowns, which uh, is a bummer. So uh, draft day, though, ready to go. Can't wait. It's going to be a blast, man. It's going to be a great, great time. And like I mentioned earlier, I think it's going to be more unpredictable than usual, which is always going to be fun. All right. Lots of it's just we don't make any money off this, guys. This is not a this is not a money making opportunity to post this kind of a video. It's just a, it's just fun. It's just fun to be online with other Ravens fans talking about the picks as they come through. If we have a, a fairly large panel, and sometimes we just try and answer the questions the way that Jason answered them on his show, which just they come up in chat and we answer them there. And sometimes we actually bring the person into the show and have them ask the questions so they can get a little interaction if they want to do that. So uh, by all means, we'd love to have you come on, interact if you can, and and, uh, and just have some fun like we are uh, getting excited about our draft picks. And you'll, see, you'll hear a lot of profanity, so be good with that before you get on. <laughs> uh, put the children to bed if that's important, but uh, but it's a, it's a good night, that first night. And we were on for all three, including that nice long fourth round for the Ravens last year. Yep, yep. And I'm wondering how it's going to shake out as far as – you know, I feel like the Ravens want to trade back, and we want more picks. But is anybody going to want to with the unpredictability of the draft? That's where I would say, well, who's going to want to who's going to want to trade up to twenty two if they're sitting at twenty eight and they they got three or four players that they all have the same grade on? Like, so yeah, everybody's like, well, I think the Ravens are going to trade back. I think it's, I don't know if they're going to be able to. Yeah, you, you got to catch a need team. You don't catch a BPA team with a trade up. They, they just they won't do it. Generally speaking. Right. Uh, but anyway, the the, uh, uh, the other thing about that is that depending on which system you use, about 75 to 78 percent of the Ravens total draft capital is in that number 22 pick. So if they don't trade number 22, they're not trading down in any kind of meaningful way during this. Draft. No, no, so, no, no way. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's all. Would you say I, I forgot the percentage, but yeah, it's all about that, 75 to 78. Yeah, it's all in that first pick. So. Um, you know, I would like to see them trade back. And I was I was kind of happy that DaCosta admitted uh, something I brought up on the show with us trading Tyree Phillips, Sean Wade, Ben Bredesen, that there is something to be said about stocking your cabinet a little too full. Um, whereas we could tr you, we could trade up, you know, um, not this year, but say next year, if we have nine, 10 picks again uh, to move up, to get a player, to be the aggressor this time, to get the last uh whoever, whatever position to get the last one that we like, you know, and give up a fourth or a fifth. So I was glad to hear that from DaCosta that uh, we're not only going to be aggressive trading back, but also maybe trading up in the future. Well, the other thing we saw was they can trade players. And so the other, the other way they have to acquire draft capital, well, they, okay, I'll give you two others. Obviously they can trade Lamar Jackson and that would be an enormous haul of draft capital. We still hope, but it might be split between 23 and 24 uh, might even be split if if whatever happens after the draft between 24 and 25. So the Ravens won't really see 
any value, you know, until it's significantly defer been significantly deferred. Um, but the other possibility is they could trade Patrick Queen. And that would be a, you know, a potentially significant, I could be as high as a two. I think a two for a three is more realistic. Uh, maybe just a three, uh, depending on where the three is in, in terms of the round. So it, it could be a few different possibilities of where he's, uh, where he's gone. I don't think the Ravens will pull the trigger if it's anything lower than a three. I think they'd just wait and lose him in, in, uh, for a compensatory pick next year. Otherwise. Yeah. Otherwise it doesn't make sense. Right. So, um, but yeah, that that's definitely a player uh, with trade value that uh, you know we talked about. I think a little bit on the on the first show where mm -hmm. it's hard to see the Ravens paying. They shouldn't pay two inside linebackers market price, um, you know. And we saw what Ray Lewis can when you got a stud at one linebacker spot. You got safeties that you can use in that second mm -hmm. linebacker spot. You can rotate in a, a peanut and have him play well, uh, Patrick Wasu. Players like that, all the players that played next to Ray, um, it's an embarrassment of riches having Roquan and Queen. If we if we roll into this year with it, heck, let's use it and enjoy it. But if we can get a, a, a second round pick that's going to be with us for four years, then you got to. I think you really have to strongly consider taking it. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. And I think some of Queen's off season behavior tells me that the Ravens probably have already if not communicated with them that they're not willing to sign him to a long-term deal, which probably means they're not willing to sign him to the one year uh, extension. I, I've probably made it clear enough to him that, that he's not likely to be a Raven beyond 2023, but it's got to right. make sense for the team. It's, you know, they, they're going to have to get full value or, or they the really the correct thing to do is just hold on to him for this year and, and let him play out as uh, a play. Right. Have a dominant, dominant inside linebacker duo. And we, we can live with that too, but I'd rather personally get, get the pick. Yeah. I, I I'm, I'm, I'm fairly ambivalent. I would like to see a very highly motivated Patrick queen playing lights out like he did for about the last two thirds of last year. So some before Roquan came, but, right. But the the playing at that level, I would be very excited by if he if if he and Roquan can be together for uh, for twenty three. All right, Jason, just a great show again. Really appreciate this discussion with you. Thanks for thanks for uh, staying up late with me. I know this is like when the day begins for you and me in some ways in terms of the tape watching. But uh, uh, thanks again for coming on. You're very welcome, Ken. Thank you for having me. Can't wait for draft week. Follow Ken. Make sure you stay in touch with us. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.